and welcome to the Non Twenty Podcast. I'm your host Logan Quentin. I'm here today with Charlie Collier. We're here to kick off opening weekend for Tennessee baseball. I, I'm 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 excited. I'm excited. College baseball is glorious. It felt like last year, and and really the last couple of years, it really started to pick up more momentum from a national perspective. And, you know, I think nationally it feels like this is the most buzz for a college baseball season that we've seen in a long time with some of the big names that transferred and, you know, the two-team race it feels like uh, at the top and, and just all the other storylines. I'm really – I can't wait. You know, Friday, February 17th, can't get here soon enough. No, you're right. And what's the difference is between this time last year and now, uh, you know, I think our first or second episode, we were talking about the Vols and we placed bets on the Vols uh, to win the World Series at like 30 to 1 and 35 to 1. I think they may, <laughs> I think they may have opened at 50 to 1 uh, preseason. I'd have to go back and look. But. I would make that bet over and over and over and over again. I mean, uh, you know, it quickly, that thing quickly turned into, you mentioned it, all the media and all the hype surrounding that team last year. After Once it got into conference play, you could tell something was different. And, uh, you know, they, they never let up. And this year, the Vols, and we're going to talk about it towards the end of the podcast, the Vols are around 5-1, to 6-1. to one odds to win it all depending on where you look some books have them as the head-on favorite after some news out of lsu has trickled out about one of their star pitchers we can touch on that um but yeah it's the vols are at the forefront of the sport of the betting boards and it's gonna be it's gonna be different this team's gonna look different so let's get into it let's talk about this lineup charlie what we think it might look like for you viewers uh, on social media, we will uh, we'll put this spreadsheet up. This little little chart we got, um, you know, this is this is my projected opening day lineup, uh, and it's merely just that. Uh, there's got to be a lot of variety in, in terms of the order this year. I really like the left-handed bats. That's the one thing that sticks out to me. Uh, there's a lot of new faces. We know about the transfers, Zane Denton, Maui Ahuna, Griffin Merritt. We had him on last episode. And, uh, you know, he talked about some of the guys, some of the younger guys, new guys coming in and seeing guys like a Chase Dolander. And it doesn't have to be pitcher-pitcher, hitter-hitter, but, like, just the level of play with some of the guys, some of these guys that were already here is elevating the game uh, of some other guys that have just stepped into the program. I think that's going to be huge. Uh, but as far as the lineup's concerned, man, uh, it starts with the leadoff spot. And it, that's so, so, so important in the college game. Uh, even if you have a good lineup, good hitters and sluggers in there, if you don't have a leadoff guy, that can get on base at a high rate. Uh, that's not explosive. Uh, you know, it's it's gonna it's gonna make a difference. And 
the Vols, I think, will see Christian Moore at leadoff more often than not this year. That That's my guy. I think uh, Maui Huna is totally capable of playing that role, but we've heard Tony V hint at uh, Christian Moore being that guy, and he didn't have an extremely large sample last year, but he had 118 at-bats. That's enough for me. Uh, 300 average. <laughs> he hit 10 homers and drew 27 walks. Um, I think that's a great great spot for him. And then followed by Dickey. I think uh, when Dickey's healthy, I really love him at the two spot. Best hitter on the club behind the leadoff guy. And then I got uh, your guy, Charlie, Zane Denton, the switch hitter of the bunch. Uh, at, at third, then Blake Burke, followed by Maui Ahuna, Griffin Merritt, and then a couple of lefties, Kyle, Burke, Kyle Booker, Christian Scott, uh, and then Charlie Taylor. So I've got uh, Christian Scott, Manning Center, and Kyle Booker in left. Those are guys that have been in the program. Uh, two outfield spots are definitely in question. You know, does it go to Christian Scott, Kyle Booker, uh, the veterans, or – do you look at some of the darling freshmen that Tennessee has in Reese Chapman, Dylan Drayling? Uh, I, I, man, I, I don't know, but this is what I would go with at least to start things off with against Arizona. That would be my guesses for who's going to man center, who's going to be in left. We know what the infield is going to look like, but the catcher position—that's the biggest question. That's that's the one everybody's asking. Who is going to catch? I think we're going to see all three catchers. But if I had to give a nod to somebody for opening day, just the opening day, I'm going to go with Charlie, a guy who's been there, caught some of these guys, especially receiving a guy like Chase Dolander. What say you, Charlie? Yeah, so first of all, great job by you with all your, your charts and your previews and your stack collections that we have going on here. Uh, I agree with you. I like Christian Moore in that, in that leadoff spot and – you know, you pointed it out, 27 walks a year ago and just 118 at-bats. You know, even as a young guy, I thought that he had the plate discipline of, of a veteran. You know, I thought he really did a good job working at-bats. Uh, I thought he did a good job just, you know, spitting on pitches he had to, you know, tough takes all around. And that's why he was able to work those those walks. But that's a guy that I like setting the table for you, you know, frustrating that pitcher early potentially and just getting on base uh, that I'm with you, you know, your best pure hitter in the two hole with Jared Dickey. Uh, I'll be interested to see what his follow-up is after this tear that he got off to last year before that foot injury. But if he's hitting like he did a year ago, which I expect him to, that's a great one too. You feel very confident that, you know, in, in, in the first inning, one of those two is going to figure out a way to get on. And that's a, a great feeling to have as a coach. Uh, with Zane Ditton in the three-hole, that's a guy that I could maybe see dropping down in the lineup a little bit more. I, I, I like Burke at the four. You know, I could see Merritt at three or Ohuna at three. But, you know, Ditton there at the three-hole for now works. And then, yeah, you said it. Two of those, two of those three outfield spots up for grabs. I think you lean on the returners, the veterans, Booker and Scott early. But I think those guys are probably, probably going to get their jobs taken. I mean, that that's kind of the the nature of of you know that position right now for those two. 
you're telling them, hey, don't let we're, – we're, we're trying. We want someone to take your job, right? We, you know, we're, we're playing for somebody to take that job from you. Your job is to play well enough where no one does. Then, on you know, conversely, you're telling – drilling and you're telling Chapman and you're telling Colby Backus and like you're telling these other guys your job is to go take that job and left that job in center field so the outfield competition in general gonna be really interesting I mean even this weekend you know three games coming up bet you see three different outfields and that's something that Griffin Merritt kind of hinted at us too you know hinted to us too you're gonna see a lot of competition in the outfield um and then yeah catcher that's that's the big question mark. Uh, I, I I tend to agree with you. I think it'll be Charlie Taylor early, but I think that Cal Stark is is really going to end up being good enough to kind of take over that position. You know, I think you're going to see some Jared Dickey, though he'll probably primarily, you know, be in that DH spot. I think that Dickey actually probably takes over one of the outfield spots uh, more often than not, too. Like I think you'll see him in left some. Um, but I think it'll be Charlie Taylor's start. Cal Stark, I think, will end up being the better player. I think he'll end up taking that job. But there's a whole lot of depth, whole lot of depth. And, and you know, you mentioned it too. Tennessee is in a unique position where, you know, the development of their position players is the process that can be expedited compared to other programs because of how deep this pitching staff is. You know, Chase Burns, Chase Dolander, Drew Beam, those guys can't throw every day, just like other teams, one and two and threes can't throw every day when you're, you know, inter-squatting, when you're having live BP, et cetera. But what Tennessee has that other teams don't is that pitching depth. So those batters get challenged each and every day. And, you know, Griffin Merritt, again, he kind of hinted at this too, mentioned it a little bit too. I feel like Tennessee's hitters might even start the season in a better spot than most of the country. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you hit on it right there at the leadoff, uh, Christian Moore, with with the walks. Uh, Put this into perspective. So out of the 2022 stats from these guys, uh, Maui Ahuna was the leader in 2022 with 28 walks out of this bunch. And Christian Moore had one less and almost half as many at bats. Mal Yahuna, two hundred and two at bats, and Christian Moore just one hundred and eighteen. So, and then you you look at the power and the gap to gap ability that he showed, the explosiveness in the fall. Man, it looked like he put on a, a healthy ten pounds, and, and he looks so so good. So I really love him at the leadoff. And my my theory behind uh, you know the the top of the order there, you get your lefty the best hitter to come behind more and then a switchy so you get all that in the top of the order right away and then your cleanup guy Blake Burke you can clean the bases and then have a leadoff type of hitter in a Huna backing up Burke that that also has pop and then uh you know from there Griffin Merritt veteran guy he he's going to be somewhere in the middle you know in the thick of the lineup um can't wait to see what he does, but really, really love the lefties. I mean, look at all the lefties on the bench. Um, even guys like Logan Chambers and Ethan Payne. But you mentioned, I, I really do think, I agree with you, Charlie. Reese Chapman, Dylan Drayling, 
number number one out of Colorado, number two out of Kansas. Uh, those guys are pretty special. Dylan Drayling, I think uh, he would be my pick, but they both have their qualities. Uh, Chapman, more of the raw power, compact type. Drayling at the plate. Uh, they're both lefties, but Drayling, uh, his swing kind of reminds me a little bit of Max Ferguson, where it's uh, he's got easy power. It, it's uh, some holes in his swing, but he when he connects, it's easy, easy power. And I think I think that's gonna play eventually. Uh, just just a matter of when. I think the the biggest question maybe with the outfield is is what kind of role does Colby <laughs> oh, pardon me! I got oxygen stuck in my throat there. Uh, what kind of role Colby Backus have? I, and that to me is like a big question. I feel like I don't know. I feel like you haven't heard a lot about him this off season. You know that he went to Tennessee, and and you know that he's been in that outfield competition. He was, I mean, he was excellent at Walter State. I, I got to see him in person many a times broadcasting Walter State baseball last year and, and the year before. I mean, just watching him again, like from his time at Walter State, that, that feels like a guy that can step in and contribute right away. But I just don't really know how much momentum he, he's built in his time in the Tennessee program. So I'll, I'll definitely have an eye on that. He's a bopper, man. He, no denying the power and the ability there. Yeah, that, that's going to be one to watch. Uh, he's a couple of the – him and Cal Stark are JUCO guys, and uh, it's going to be interesting to watch them. Let's turn the page to the bullpen. Um, this is going to be interesting. Speaking of lefties, uh, I really love the lefties out of the, the pitching staff. I think that's – you're going to see a lot more of that this year. Um, you know, it's, do we see the same weekend rotation? Dolander burns beam. I tend to think that's not, um, that's not concrete at all. I don't believe, uh, but chase Dolander, um, Friday night is his, (laughs) that's, there's no question about that. Um, that's who we're going to see against Arizona on Friday night. So, so after that, after, you know, the obvious three, Don't Lander, Burns, Beam, the guys with all the accolades. Um, you know, it gets interesting with guys like Xander Seacrest, Seth Halverson, Camden Sewell. Those guys uh, are starter material. Um, they also can be weapons out of the pen. So how, how the club manages guys that I just mentioned, those three, and then I'll bring in Wyatt Evans. Uh, if I had to pick a couple of names out of the pitching staff for folks to get excited about that will be kind of um, new showrunners, so to speak, it would be Wyatt Evans and, um, you know, uh, probably Andrew Lindsay. Uh, I think I feel like most Vol fans by now know of Seth Halverson. They haven't seen him, but they know of him because – when the pitching staff got all the the run that they did last year, uh, you know, analysts and, and media kept saying, "Hey, you think this is good? They've got another guy that can throw, another hard thrower that's that's out there on ice that's going to be available next year." So, 
But yeah, Seth Halverson probably will um, ease his way back into the season, I would think, and, and and considering his past. But yeah, Andrew Lindsay, Wyatt Evans, um, you know, what what do you make of this? How how they're going to manage? Tennessee just needs to start playing two midweek games. Yeah, every like Tony Pettillo next year just needs to double up on midweek games. I know that's not actually a possibility, but it's quite the conundrum. You have too many guys and not enough innings. I, I, I've, I don't know if I've ever seen a pitching staff this deep. I mean, Seacrest, Halverson, and Camden Sewell could make a, a Friday, Saturday, Sunday for a top 25 team. Like, not just any random SEC team. Like, a top 25 team could be successful with that as their Friday, Saturday, Sunday rotation. And and then on top of that, you know, those guys kind of long relievers, starter hybrids, whatever you want to call them. But, you know, like you mentioned, Andrew Lindsay and Wyatt Evans, the guy that I'm really excited about is, uh, is Bimby. But, you know, you have your guys that you already had around too that are going to step into bigger roles with Fanning and Fitzgibbons. And then uh, I'm, I'm also – Kind of excited to see what Zach Joyce has in the tank. And then how could you forget good old volley fingers as you have it written down? The better looking version of me. The modern day Paul Bunyan. <laughs> you know I, I just you know how I, I have no idea how you manage these innings. I really don't. And I, it felt like that was almost kind of an issue at times last year. For Tennessee, the bullpen rarely ever had to get used. You did use them just to keep them fresh, but you had a lot of your big-time relievers that weren't really put in a lot of high-leverage situations until, like, April. It, it was yeah. crazy. Um, but I'll tell you what, yeah, I'm obviously, you know, you could t- talk for days about that top three, but I'm really excited to see what emerges out of this bullpen. Because I think that between Lindsey Evans and Bimby, one of those three, at least, maybe throw Zach Joyce in there too, one of those four, I think you're going to have a big shutdown arm emerge out of this bullpen that you can put in that closer spot, you can put in that setup spot. Don't know who it's going to be, but I think it's going to be one of them. Yeah, I 100% agree. My only question there is... Does it get to a point where, you know, they just they don't have a primary closer? They just everybody's so good that you could like, you know, come conference play. Now early on, you're gonna see all kinds of wacky stuff in terms of usage and and experimental stuff to get to that point where conference conference play rolls around and man, it's <laughs> everybody's good that you're playing week in week out. And I could see a scenario where uh, Wyatt Evans could c- come in and close out three, four innings at the back end of a game against LSU. Or uh, Seth Halverson could come in and just shut down the back end of of the game for a few innings. And so did they kind of just mix it like that? Or, you know, do, do they give the role to a primary guy? I think – if they give the role to one guy and say this this is your role cuz there's clearly not a Redmond Walsh this year if i had to pick it would be Seth Halverson 
you know, just because he's going to fill up the strike zone, he's a hard thrower. But like you mentioned, there's plenty, plenty of options if you want to go that route. I I understand that there's different ideologies and how you approach, you know, the the bullpen and the back half of the bullpen and whether you want to have – certain roles set in stone or whether you want to play it by a year, play it by matchups, play it by rest, whatever else. You know, in the college game, you see roles a little bit more undefined a lot of times. I, maybe I'm a little old school, I don't know. I like having, like, this is your closer. I like having specific roles for players. You know, maybe you don't need it so much as, like, here's middle relief. Here's long relief. Here's your setup guy. Here's your get out of the jam guy. Here's your closer. But I think by the time you get an SEC play, I, I would prefer if you settle on a specific guy to be your primary closer, you know, like you had with Redmond Walsh last year. Obviously, you know, you get into a situation where yeah, you need a closer Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You might not use the same guy three days in a row, but I, I would prefer to have a closer settled on come april man those let me pull it back up again i was trying to do something here uh the lefties i I just can't get over it like you mentioned bimby uh he's another he's a lefty option the he had a what was it like uh it's it's on the notes that's not on the screen but uh, 132 strikeouts and just like 82 innings at wabash and juco I, I mean, that's just insane. So, man, they got a bounty of weapons. It's just a matter of uh, figuring out who kind of the cream that rises to the top and, and and then just managing. I mean, they've got the best pitching uh, wizard in college baseball. <laughs> so I think I think we're in good hands there. That almost feels illegal to have this many talented arms and then let Frank Anderson coach them. I can tell you, uh, speaking of rotations, another rotation that you can rely on is Crumble Cookies lineup. Week in, week out, Crumble Cookies is putting out, you know, a Tennessee baseball type of rotation. And uh, so we're going to we're gonna bring in this, the weekend rotation segment. We touched on it there before doing the segue, but we'll kind of do it a little different. I've, I've got with me here the Chase Dollander of Crumble Cookies. As a part of this this week's lineup, their Valentine's Day lineup, they're going with uh, one of their variations of an M&M cookie. And, and those are, man, they're to die for. They're, it reminds me of Frank Anderson when, when Chase Dollander come onto the team from Georgia Southern, an All-American freshman, but and we were thinking, man, is this what kind of project is this going to be? Because we saw he had a, you know, the ERA was like at four, and you know, is real nice guy, real nice freshman to bring into the bunch and into the mix. And we're thinking, oh, what can Frank Anderson do and change with Dolander? And he said, man, just throw your stuff; they can't hit it. <laughs> so if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I'm going with my favorite for this week, original. M&M's candies, Valentine's Day cookie. This thing is like 
It's like the size of my head. I'm going with it this week. Uh, but they got some other features. Uh, Chocolate-covered strawberry, confetti, chocolate caramel, and New York cheesecake to go along with their milk chocolate chip. So that's the lineup for this week. Does that sound any enticing to you, Charlie? Um, I'll tell you what. That, that M&M Valentine pink candies I saw, I saw it on your Twitter, too. I thought about going to Crumble to get me one of those. That looked incredible. The one that you were just holding up. That one in the chocolate chip. I, I'm i a sucker for a good chocolate chip cookie. I'm a simple man. You know, much like Frank Anderson told Chase Dolander, throw your stuff, they can't hit it. It's the same notion. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's the chocolate chip cookie for me. It ain't broke. Don't fix it. I just give me chocolate chip cookies. I'll eat them. I'll eat them. And crumble. Man, they can make a chocolate chip cookie. I'll tell you what. <laughs> they can yep. make a chocolate chip cookie. Folks, if you're in Knoxville, go check them out. 6672 Clinton Highway, Suite 104. There's another location on Parkside Drive in Turkey Creek, West Knoxville. And be on the lookout for a new location and Maryville coming soon. So let's get to uh, what do you want to hit on next, Charlie? What I think I want to hit on. Did you just say Maryville? Yeah, I, we got some some folks listening that are probably like not from the South. So um, you just you just lost like every one of our listeners that lives in Maryville. Merville. Merville. If that if that's any better. That's any consolation. Uh, do you Too late. To... I think they already turned us off. Uh, let's touch on the teams this weekend out in the desert. Uh, we've got the Vols will be playing Arizona on Friday, Grand Canyon on Saturday, and then University of California, San Diego on Sunday. Which matchup are you looking forward to the most, Charlie? Um, man, I'm interested to see Chase Dolander against Grand Canyon just because they're, I mean, who doesn't want to watch Chase Dolander, right? Uh, but I think the obvious answer when you look at like which game you're looking forward to most is is that Arizona game. I mean, it's the Friday night. It's the season opener. It's a team that, you know, made it to the the Coral Gables Regional last year. They ended up losing in uh, blowout fashion in their final game of that regional against the eventual national champions, Ole Miss. But um, are you there? Charlie went down. I still hear you. Oh, Am I back? There you, yeah, you're back. You cut out for a second. I was, ah, yeah, that was weird. Anyway, Arizona. Arizona is my pick. I don't know where I cut off, so I'll just leave it at Arizona. Yeah, Arizona, obviously, that's probably what people are going to point towards. 
Uh, but I'm looking forward to Grand Canyon. Uh, that that game is going to feature two of the best infielders in the game. Uh, Maui Ahuna and then Jacob Wilson, Grand Canyon. Grand Canyon is, is a really good program. Uh, they're a fun bunch to watch. They are around uh, 100 to 1 odds to win the World Series, which is right up there. Like, it's it's close to where Georgia is priced. It's ahead of a lot of other SEC teams. This is a really good Grand Canyon team. Um, the Lopes will, you know, they will not go down quietly. I mean, I think they're going to have a good performance in the desert. And then Sunday, uh, UC San Diego. It's When they very, very first announced this, I thought it was University of San Diego. Um or San Diego University. I can't remember which way you say it. But that program is really good. But this program, USCD, uh, UCSD, excuse me, the Tritons. I don't know what the hell a Triton is. Wait, no, I think I was thinking of a Trident. Their logo is kind of like a pitchfork, almost like it kind of reminds you of the Arizona State Sun Devils pitchfork. Uh, but it's it's their third year playing at this level they won 24 games each of the first two years uh so i i expect sunday that's gonna be a fun one like a bunch of bunch of these guys are gonna play man and a bunch of these young guys that's a game where like reese chapman dylan drayling dare i say a colby backus gets in there and gets gets a couple of knocks man um that'll be fun but the arizona game friday night the first one Arizona uh, picked fourth in, in their conference in the Pac-12 by coaches. I don't know if I go that high. They are. I, I I do put them in the top half of the league, but obviously Oregon State, Stanford, way ahead of them in class, in my opinion. Um, it, it's West Coast ball, man. You outside of the aforementioned uh, Stanford, Oregon State. Uh, they're going to have the pitching. Uh, everybody else in the Pac-12 just, you know, I, I don't know. The pitching just isn't quite there. Um, Arizona, their best player, uh, Chase Davis. I don't know if you remember him. He had a, he had some monster home runs last year. One of them was a walk-off against Arizona State. He's a, yeah. a preseason All-American type. Uh, really good player. He's going to be a fun one to watch. Yeah, I saw that he's a uh, a top fifty draft prospect, a draft prospect as well, in terms of the uh, the MLB pipeline top one hundred. He's right outside of it. He was at fifty one in the last one that I saw. Should be interesting. Uh, gonna have to keep it down in the zone, obviously. You know, gotta keep that fastball down. Um, I mean, we're assuming they're gonna keep it the same, right? You think it's gonna be Burns, Dolander, Beam? Man, I, I don't know. I, I have no clue. Actually, uh, you know, there's some media availability going on as we speak. Um, that's it, It's been crazy. I was, We were actually supposed to get some, for the folks listening, uh, we were going to be in on the call for the Desert Invitational, the media call. And they cancel or they didn't cancel it, but they postponed it because of the events at Michigan State. State is one of the teams supposed to be out there in Arizona, 
along with uh, Fresno. Michigan State and Fresno were the ones Tennessee was not lined up against. Uh, so I uh, don't have any update on that, whether Michigan State will, you know, travel or anything going on with that. But uh, Oh, you know, I didn't even make that connection that Michigan State was one of the other three teams. Yeah. Yep. That that makes a lot more sense. Yep. So I wonder how that could affect things. Yeah, yeah I mean, no clue. I I looked before we started. I didn't have any update, but uh, they did talk to uh, Jared Dickey, Chase Dolander, and they Tony V was supposed to be in on the call, and instead he they grouped him with Dolander and Dickey in person, and of course we. We've got this going because this it's kind of do or die this week for us with the podcast. It's either now or never. So, um, so you listeners out there, we chose you over Tony V. That is a decision I don't think they would have made. I don't think they're choosing us over Tony V. Charlie, let's uh, – well, we touched on Arizona. I think, um, you know, it, I expect the the Vols to go 3-0. and Um I don't think Arizona posits much of a much of a challenge. I don't think maybe Grand Canyon the Grand Canyon game gets uh, a little dicey or something. But what I want to see the most interesting and the thing I'm looking to the most is, like I said, the young guys. There's a lot of new faces. Man, we this this time last year we felt like we were like, man, this is a new lineup. Yeah, we got. Beck and, and Gilbert uh, and Luke back, you know, but what are these other guys? This year, it, man, three guys. We got three guys that return with 95-plus at-bats. And when you look at three of the transfers, Ahuna, Ditton, and Merritt, those guys equaled 650 at-bats last year. <laughs> you know, just those three. So, and then you – then the young guys in the mix. So like, I really want to see these new faces, see how the young guys do. Um, is there something you've got circled or the one thing you're looking forward to the most this weekend? There really isn't, you know, one specific thing. Uh, it's just, I think the collective baseball being backness of the weekend that I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to some guys wearing orange and white and sometimes gray and sometimes black, putting on some uniforms and picking up some bats and putting on some gloves and just playing (laughs) one of the best sports to ever exist. I'm excited for it to count. I'm excited to see, like you said, what a new lineup looks like. Um, I'm excited to see the different outfield combinations, the the way that Tony Vitello manages that designated hitter spot. I I'm excited to see Cal Stark. I think that that's a guy I'm pretty interested in, and it'll be pretty cool to just see like Maui Ahuna in a in a Tennessee Volunteers uniform. Um, I, I guess really the question would be like, what are you not excited about? And I think the answer to that is nothing. It's not a thing. I'm not absolutely pumped for this weekend are you okay charlie it sounds like somebody's stuffing you in a trunk of their car 
that it sounded like that the whole time? No, just now. Oh, well, that's good. It's promising. Um, now, man, what, hey, what if, uh, if Wyatt Evan comes out and starts and then Beam comes in behind him, uh, and, and throws a few innings, like, you think people, like, their heads will explode or, like, they'll lose their minds and, and think, like, you know, what the heck's going on? It, it, you know, I mean, do you expect any experimental stuff that this early? I mean, I think the early portion of the baseball season by its nature is experimental, right? Yeah. Um, but in terms of experimenting with the rotation, I don't really think you're going to see anything experimental, at least this weekend. You know, I think think you want to start the season off with what you plan uh, for your three-day rotation to look like. You know, I think you want to try to just get them in that early season rhythm and just kind of get settled in. So I think, you know, you'll, you'll go Burns and Dolander and Beam or whatever combination of those three it may be. Wouldn't surprise me in, you know, two weekends to see Wyatt Evans start a Sunday or to see somebody else maybe pick up a, a weekend start somewhere. But first weekend, a lot of experiments with the lineup and with the outfield, not so much the pitching rotation. Um. Let's talk about some futures, man. We'll uh, we can touch on, and we'll kind of we'll run through this board that I have, um, and we can. It works well to talk about, you know, the SEC or the the college landscape as a whole in terms of some surprises you may have, some disappointments, but ultimately here, I made this uh, for Mark. For our investment opportunities, as you can see here, the the book we're referencing, uh, DK, uh, this this was these were prices and odds as of February second because February second is when the coaches poll uh, finally got put out there. So we get to reference some some odds that were available February 2nd. Some of these have changed now. But also the D1 ranking and then, like I said, the coaches poll. So, you know, twos across the board for Tennessee. Um, You know, once you get into the 10 to 15 range, that's when you start seeing difference of opinion. Uh. Who jumps out to you, Charlie, whether on the betting board or in the rankings that you're either really high on, really low on, uh, totally don't agree? Um, A team that I'm lower on than maybe it looks like nationally, it's Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt is, you know, what was 10th? And one poll, top 10 in another, they're 15 to 1, you know, some of the better odds in the country. I think a lot of that is is related to their name, to their namesake in Vanderbilt. And I know that 
you know, Vandy's always going to have some pitching. They're always going to have some batting. Enrique, Enrique Bradfield, I guess, is never going to graduate, I guess. But I, I'm not overwhelmed by Vanderbilt's roster by any means. I think especially now that, A, they don't really have the same recruiting advantage they used to be able to have now that NIL exists. You know, they used to be able to technically kind of sort of sort of give more money away than everyone else that doesn't exist anymore you know now they have a team in their own state that's better than them that has been better for the last couple of years that is more fun that is more engaging that is is able to offer more i think that there's been a little bit of a dip in talent i think there's a dip in momentum i'm not all that big on vanderbilt um Especially, you know, with just the, the rise in talent across the SEC. A team staying with the SEC, I didn't mean to, to go SEC, SEC here, but a team that I really like this year, a team I'm pretty bullish on, is Texas A&M. Um, I think that's a really well-coached team. I think that last year they kind of ended the season ahead of schedule. They were playing some really good baseball. They back a good bit this year. I, I like their pitching staff. And I think there's value there too. I mean, you look at the preseason polls, five and four, but they're twenty to one in the sports book. That is, uh, that's one of my favorite like middle tier plays. It's not necessarily a value play. It's not one of the favorites either. But I, I like A and M. All right, A and M, the Aggies to uh, to be back in the mix in Omaha. That's that's an interesting one. Uh, for me, I really don't. I and by the way, I could I get your argument for Vandy because while there is a lot of potential with the arms, there's also a lot of potential for the lineup to just not really be there. I mean, you got EBJ, but I, I do like their lefty bats a little bit, but as a whole, it's just it just doesn't seem like the same. Vandy boy lineup that just gives you fits from top to bottom. Um, look, I was going to give out a play here because when things opened up, Wake Forest 40 to 1, I was wanting to sprinkle on that. I think that's amazing value, but things have shortened up. Um, they've been the biggest mover. I think they're at like 19 to 1, maybe 16 to 1 in some places. You can get them at 25 to 1 right now and I I wouldn't be mad at anybody for taking that. It's just I don't think it's there's value if if you're going to play it, if if you think Wake is going to make it to Omaha without a doubt, then play it. But my thing was, you know, doing these futures, you have to uh look at the potential for uh you know, stock market type plays, uh, cash outs and things like that. Um, with Wake Forest, they're going to have to deal with, you know, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, Virginia. I can see a scenario where, like, those four teams just kind of muscle around with each other, you know, the first month of conference play. And, and if that doesn't happen, if there's no separation uh, with Wake Wake Forest would have to really separate themselves 
the first month of conference play for for this for the twenty five to one price to be worth a play in my opinion because it's really not if they're going to be kind of what we think they're going to be um kind of in the mix in the ACC at the top with three or four other teams and similar records if they go into region play uh, in that scenario you're looking at fifteen to one anyways so like. You know, I would rather at a twenty-five to one price with with Wake Forest. I would rather hold off and just a, a, and back them. I think there's going to be plenty of opportunity to back them throughout the season because of that pitching staff. According to Prospects Live, they have the most um, the most prospects in this year's draft um, as a team. So I'm going to hold off on that for now, but it's not on the board. But I do have a play here, and it's going to be two hundred to one. I think South Carolina. It's they're they're as you can see they're off the board here. I'm we're going to try to figure out a different way to uh, to do these slides and these posts here. But uh, South Carolina is ranked by D one. Um, I actually think they're ranked by, in the coaches poll too. I can't remember, and it it's not just because of that. Um, South Carolina has potential to bounce back here. Um, they had an awful year last year. No, no doubt about it, an awful year. They they seem like they're trending in the wrong direction. But they have one thing going for them that, that you need in the college game, you need in the SEC, and that's pitching. No, they're not ranked in the coaches. So D1 is very high on them. I was actually kind of sad to see that like, we had the same train of thought there. I don't know if that's a good sign or a bad sign. But South Carolina with Will Sanders, I, I really like him. He's such a, such a good pitcher that kind of doesn't get talked about enough. I mean, they were so bad last year, it didn't really even matter. But they're going to have some guys back on the pitching staff. Uh, they have an exciting young arm. Uh that I think will be in the mix. Noah Hall is a veteran. It, it's veteran laden. You know, it's, I really think they can kind of punch their way through the East division. Um, I mean, I've got them finishing fourth in the East. Uh, but if Vandy, if Vandy blows out a couple of tires or Florida, you know, South Carolina, all it takes is, one of those two things to happen, South Carolina is like top three in the East and, you know, maybe top 10 in the SEC. I, I really think that lineup's going to be a lot better. They get Casas from Vandy, the, the guy that kind of platooned at first base and everything, a, a big power lefty. Uh, he transfers over. I think he's going to be a perfect fit for the lineup. Michael Braswell, um, we talked about him last year on the pod. He had his he hit a freshman wall, no doubt about it. But he bounced back, finished the year with, and posted some really nice numbers. He's a fantastic athlete. I think he he's one of my favorite sophomores. Uh, is definitely kind of a stock market play at two hundred to one. I really, really, really don't think South Carolina. It, it's this thing's gonna get cut in half, like a month into conference play. Uh, and if they, like I said, if they end up battling for like a a third spot in the East. I I mean, 
who knows? They they could if anybody is this year's A and M, I think it's South Carolina. I don't think that will be the case at like an Omaha run, but my prediction is South Carolina to have a major major bounce back year. I agree. I, I agree. If there is a this year's A and M, I think it's going to be South Carolina. Um, in terms of other, you know, stock market plays, that's also how I like to play the futures market. You know, you you get in early, you cash out mid season, cash out at the peak. Um, Southern Miss, Texas Tech, and East Carolina are all right there together, seventy five to one, seventy five to one, ninety to one. I think. At least two of those teams, you're going to get a better cash out uh, halfway through the season at some point. Uh, same goes for NC State at sixty to one. I know they just lost Tommy Tanks. I think you're still going to get a cash out at some point this year. I trust that NC State program. If you want to go either further into the well, Liberty at two hundred to one. Right, state at three hundred to one. Maybe you get some value there. Maybe you get a cash out opportunity there eventually. Um, there is one team I wanted to ask you about before I guess we wrap this up or anything like that. Mississippi State. They're sixty to one. They're unranked in both polls. Seems like they're kind of being forgotten about entirely in this offseason, and maybe that's for good reason. You think they bounce back? They are not finishing last in the division, which is where I think they're at. Um, I can't remember if it was D1 or the coaches' poll. Somebody had them finishing last, and I just do not, I do not see it. Uh, I'm going to buy stock in Mississippi State, I don't know if I'll necessarily make that play, but I, I do think that they they bounce back this year. Uh, and that the West Division, I'm not as high on Auburn and Alabama as everybody else, but I, I do think that, that Mississippi State, I, the pitching can only improve. I mean, they've got guys that can throw strikes. It's just a matter of I, I don't know finding finding a rotation. The injuries early on last year killed them. You know, it kind of. I mentioned about a couple of teams in the East. What if they blow tires? Like Mississippi State, they had a tire blowout last year, and at the time, people didn't think they're like, "Oh, we can overcome this. We've got a lot of talent," and they did. But it's just one thing led to another. It seemed like and, and just piled on the dogs, and. You know, it was a honeymoon year. So, I do think that they bounced back this year. But in terms of that range, you know, you mentioned 60-1, to 1, that price for the Bulldogs. I've got them highlighted here. TCU at 50-1. to 1. I really like TCU to come out of the Big 12. Um, They're a sneaky, sneaky bunch. I think at 50-1... to 1, uh, insane value there, I think, it, because if they if they win the Big Twelve, um, you're probably looking at you know twenty to one, tw- anywhere from twenty to thirty to one odds come season's end. 
Um, so that's that significant value there. I think if you want to, but that, that this would be the TCU fifty to one would be more along the lines of letting that one ride. Um, but the bunch that's around them, uh, I'd have to take a pass on it. Auburn, Arizona. Uh, like I said, if if people, if you believe that Wake Forest without a doubt will be in Omaha. I, I would do the twenty-five to one. Uh, I would ride TCU to um, fifty to one, and, and I'll let you know if I end up playing that. I haven't gotten around to them as a deep dive, but but I will. Um, but yeah, my play. You heard Charlie's plays. Um, I'm going with South Carolina two hundred to one, probably just like a tenth of a unit or something. If you're a hundred dollar better, throw ten bucks on it. Uh, if you're ten dollar better, throw just a dollar on it, man. It's, uh, <laughs> I think, I think there'll be some cash out options for it, and who knows if they're this year's A and M, man. Uh, you'll be rolling into the CWS with insane value. If uh, if we're talking just bets, not necessarily even value, but just bets, um. What the only team that I'm looking at outside of the SEC in terms of any kind of futures at all towards the top of everything? You mentioned Wake Forest at 25 to one, Oklahoma State at 25 to one. That is going to be one of my two serious national championship bets. I'm going to take Tennessee, obviously. I'm going to take uh, Oklahoma State. Both, I, I guess. A&M can get included in that realm, but I'm going to take Oklahoma State, A&M, and Tennessee as my, like, three probably going to ride these ticket out bets in terms of a national champion, you know, ticket, and then, yeah, the rest will be value plays. I do really like Oklahoma State. I like the bats that they bring back. I like the power in that lineup, and I just kind of get a vibe that they're out for some revenge. They're out to to find their way to Omaha this year. Love it, man. Uh, man, if like I said, if you were with us last year, uh, you were riding the 35-1 to ticket for the Vols to win everything. I mean, we had cash-out options like 10x, um, but there's no way you cash that. At, like, what we were looking at and dealing with, uh, like I said, I would make that play 100 out of 100 times one of the best teams we've ever seen uh, in the game, especially in the BB core era to have that, that kind of ticket. You, you just ride it out, but we'll try this again. We'll see. I promise you more times than not. We will, we will beat the line. We'll get some value on these plays. Um, and we'll be back with more, you know, on, on the episodes in the future. So for now, we'll wrap it up. Um, Stay plugged in. Like I said, we were supposed to have some stuff for you today as far as coverage and quotes. Uh, that changed a little bit. But if you listen to Fan Run, Tony Vitello will be on today. I don't know if we'll get the pod out today, so if you hear this, go back uh, and, and listen to the Drive uh, podcast. Uh, what What is it, Charlie? They usually have V on hour three, right? Usually like uh, 5.30, so like halfway through the three o'clock hour or the uh, he's gonna be on at five thirty. 
5.30. Yep. That's, that's Which, if you're listening and you just hear Logan say today, today for us is Tuesday, February 15th. Yeah. Uh, today for you might be different, but we're recording this Tuesday, February 14th. And Tony Vitello will be on the drive at 530 uh, on February 14th. Presumably you're listening to this after February 14th, in which case I would encourage you to go um, listen to the, I guess that would be what, the hour three podcast for the drive from February 14th to 530. Yeah. So yeah, go listen to Tony V. Uh, I'm sure that Russell and Bear and Tony had a great time. It'd be really awkward if they didn't, and we're predicting this now, and then something weird happens. But yeah, I bet they had a great time, and I bet it's a great interview. Well said, Chuck. Um, yeah, that that'll about sum it up for us, man. Uh, we'll try to try to be a little smoother with with this stuff next time. Uh, like I said, me and Chuck did not have a preseason, so I thought we did pretty good to get in there and rip it. Uh, folks, thanks for listening. Uh, stay with us. Stay tuned to the Fan Run Airwaves. Uh, we'll be on Twitter talking about the games this weekend. Be sure to hit us up at LDQ Sports. And for Charlie Collier, at C Collier 64 thanks for listening, everyone.